0: hello and welcome to the stress sessions i'm your host luke and as you've taken the time to tune in i just want to say thanks i know there are people that listen to these podcasts every single week and for that i'm eternally grateful without your downloads doing this thing will be pretty bleak so it's good to know that there's a group of lovely listeners who take the time to hear my guests and i speak about mental illness openly honestly and teach each other in the process By listening to each episode, like me, you'll be learning new things every week, whether that's a mental illness you might not know about or coping techniques to help you with your own mental health. I try to steer each conversation to help out as many people as I can. And most importantly, I let my guests tell their story, their journey and their recovery. So who's on the stress sessions this week? Well, as I'm from Milton Keynes, I do like to invite a handful of guests each series from the local area. This week I'm speaking to Hannah Armitage who's an influencer, magazine editor for Disclosure magazine and was recently on Channel 4's Britain's Best Parent. It's safe to say Hannah has been through a lot, but I won't go into any more detail, you can listen for yourself. Here's distress Sessions with Hannah Armitage. I mean, that's better
1: is that better yeah
0: that's a lot better yeah because you you oh. were i couldn't you weren't moving at all you was just like this <laughs> i can see myself it's
1: really bothering me i'm
0: like ah, don't look See, so i've i've got well used to it now and you know you are just like oh, yeah i don't like it and i i've always look yeah. like I'm, I'm always just wearing a hoodie and a hat and that's and it's just yeah but i'm in my dressing gown i've got
1: my on. i'm one of them people as soon as i walk through the door I put my dressing gown on the minute i walk through the door oh okay no, <laughs> no matter what i'm wearing i'm still fully dressed but i've got my dressing gown on <laughs>
0: so have you have oh, you been so anyway
1: yeah you know just tired i'm drained i've literally been working about 12 to 15 hours a day minimum can you
0: tell me a little bit about you because i i mean I've read a lot about you and like, we've talked to our a lot over the last couple of months, but yeah. just for people that don't know about you, like just tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. So basically um, I'm Hannah. I am 32. I like to call myself 22 plus 10. <laughs> um, but I am one of them people that's I'm very loud. I'm very out there. I'm very happy go lucky. Um, and until... I had an event that caused my mental health. If that event wouldn't have happened, I don't know if I would ever be one of them people that was affected by it. Because if I'm honest, when I was younger, I would tell people that it was fake. It's not. Mental yeah. health is made up. It's they're lying. I was one of them people. I was like, how can you not be happy? Because I was always happy. I couldn't get in my head out. Other people wasn't happy. Um, And then I had something happen, like a trauma happened to me that that brought on my mental health. And because I was so unaware of what mental health was, I didn't even know that I was going through all of these emotions.
0: So what was the life changing event that kind of changed your mind about mental health in the end?
1: Um, So, yeah, I've always been, I'll take you back to the beginning. Like even in school, you know, I was the popular girl. I had a lovely childhood. You know, it, it was all perfect. Um, but having that perfect life and being brought up like that and being brought up to having almost the world fall at your feet, it, it when some, that doesn't happen, it's like a massive wake-up call. And mine mm. was in 2016 um so I had my neighbor um I had a neighbor he lived directly opposite me but I didn't I didn't know who he was um never met him before and he knocked on my door one morning and said you drove up the street too quick but was really shouting at me it's just the school run had just happened I was literally in a towel getting out the shower just dropped my son's school got home and he banged on the door and he was very aggressive so you know in my my old Hannah don't you dare talk to me like that. Who do you think you are? Instantly, like, that must have got his back up because I was instantly like, you're knocking on my door, you're talking to me like, get off my property. Started saying weird things, like he'd been recording me um, and he, um, I was a little girl, I was daddy's girl and daddy brought my house and daddy brought my car and couldn't understand, where I didn't even know who he was at this point. I didn't know he was my neighbour and then he made a point saying, I've been recording you, I can see through your windows. What? <laughs> so I was like, right, he must live close to me. Hmm. So anyway, he then um, I then told him that he was a weirdo and he needed to leave the property. And in that motion, he went to punch me, but missed. So obviously I slammed the door on his face, run upstairs, ring my manager, and I'm like, sorry, I'm going to be late to work. This just happened. I'm in a bit of a... So he was like, get dressed, come into work, just come in now, because you need to deal with this. This guy's just tried to attack you. So I get in my car, drive to the bottom of my street, and it's quite a small street, and there is a big people carrier at the bottom of the street facing me. So we're like toe-to-toe with a gap, and I realise it's the man in his car. So I'm like, you know what? He obviously lives in this street. There's about 15 houses in this street. I'm going to bump into him. Let's sort this out. So I got out of my car, walked in front of his to the passenger side and went, listen, can we deal with this like adults? And his response was, you're not an adult, you're a little girl and you watch out, I'm going to get you. And I went, right, that's a threat now. I went, going to get me, are you? And I was very sarcastic about it, almost like I wanted to scare him. I was like, yeah, we'll see who gets who. Don't worry, I'm going to go call the police now because you've actually threatened me. And walked back to my car. And as I walked back, this is like slow motion. This is something that I could never talk about before. I couldn't even relive this moment. Mm. But it was like slow motion and all I heard was, and I remember turning around and looking at him and almost smirking like you wouldn't dare. Anyway, the next thing I woke up on the floor unconscious, he'd run me over um, and got out of his car and was beating me stamping on my face and this was at nine in the morning and the school run Jesus. was happening so there was about 30 witnesses there trying to get him off of me and it was a young lad called jack who was 18 who actually he was so traumatized for it he needed counseling because he couldn't he felt guilty that he couldn't get him off of me um it, that jack actually managed to get him off of me and then the guy ran just ran left his car and ran off um At this point, I was just like I just felt like everything was in slow motion. I just sort of looked up, I couldn't move, like it dislocated my hip, he broke all my ribs, my ankle felt weird. I was throwing up from where he was stamping on my head. And I remember thinking like I remember the thought going through my head of looking in his boot and me going, "This next one is going to kill me. I'm going to die in a minute." And that was what I was thinking. And then, when he got off of me, it was like slow motion, and I didn't—I almost didn't take what had happened. Yeah. One of the witnesses got in the ambulance with me because I couldn't talk, so I couldn't give them details of who to call. I just was like numb, like, "What the hell has happened?" Um. My injuries were minor, apparently, compared to what they were. They found, obviously, they found him. They found where he lived. He lived directly opposite me in one of the smaller houses, which makes sense because he had a family, three children. One was in the car, one really? years old. Let like go that she'd, he'd run off. Um, and he was arrested and released on bail within a day. Back to the house that I lived in so obviously at that point I couldn't move anyway I was in absolute agony I'd sent to stay with his dad um and I had I was getting a lot of nightmares so I was put on sleeping tablets and um this is when anxiety kicked in which I didn't know what anxiety was so I actually went to the doctors thinking I had trouble with my lungs because I couldn't get a deep breath and I was convinced I had lung cancer because I was like I literally couldn't take a breath and I didn't understand. I was going, there's something wrong with me. And they didn't clock that it was anxiety. Well, until I know now what anxiety is that I look back and that was anxiety. But they didn't know. And I was like, I can't breathe. I can't take a full breath. Like I'm dying. Something's happening. It was ignored for quite a long time. Um, and then um, I started to get regular panic attacks because obviously it was time to start leaving the house again bumping in or seeing him from the window and I had really severe panic attacks um to the point where I was took to hospital a couple of times because I just could, I couldn't physically breathe mm. and uh so I decided to leave the house um at the time I'd just come out of a relationship and we'd sold our house so I'd had all the money from the house sale and I'd put six months upfront rent into this house I just up and left I left all the furniture. Um, I didn't get my rent back. I just left and left Jack with my nan to to live somewhere stable. And I thought, you know, maybe the council will help me. Maybe someone will help me because I can't Mm. live in this house. So once my injuries had like recovered and I could move, which was about six weeks after the incident, I literally left the house, left all my furniture and I had to start fresh again. Um, At this point, it was time to go back to work as well. Obviously, it's quite a a mad story. So, I was getting asked a lot about it, which was triggers and they were causing panic attacks. And I was leaving work practically every day. So, I quit my job. I was like, and I went to freelance radio presenting because when I was on the radio, it was almost like I was a different Hannah. I didn't have to be the real Hannah that was dealing with these feelings. So I had a freelance radio job. That luck, I was so lucky that it paid the same that my full-time job paid. And I just worked 15 hours a week on the weekend when Jack went to his dad's. But that point is when the depression kicked in because I... And I didn't know I was depressed because I would drop school at nine o'clock and then I'd be used to going and working in a busy office. But instead I was going home to bed till three o'clock, picking him up, doing his dinner, going back to bed, going to do the radio on the weekend, working till 10 on the radio, getting drunk until five o'clock the next day, going back on the radio till 10. And I lived in Groundhog Day where the week I just slept and the weekend I just got drunk. Mm. And... it was Groundhog Day over and over and I just I didn't know in my head what was going on I didn't know that I was depressed but I did know something because I was hiding it I wasn't telling people I was in bed all day I wasn't telling people I was out getting drunk like my nan and people like that I was making excuses for it so then I thought something's got to be wrong Um, this went on for a good a a, a long time and a lot of triggers happened because of the incident so you know he he When we went to the magistrate's court, the magistrate's court, it was said it was too important. It was too severe. We need to go to the crown court. We then went to crown court. um, I had all this training and witness stuff and, you know, just to try and get me ready to what a crown court would be like. He Mm. had gone non-guilty and said that I jumped in front of his car. Um, Luckily, changed his plea to guilty. So there was no jury needed. Um, But I found out on Facebook he went to prison. So this date that so I'm waiting oh, wow. to go to court and deal with that, I found out, and that is when I had a, like a really severe panic attack to mm. the point where I locked myself away. I didn't eat for four days. I had a big panic attack, and I just stayed in bed. I didn't leave the, my bed. Um, but knowing he was in prison gave me an opportunity to start getting out there because the estate that he lived on is where my mum lives, my best friends. So I couldn't go to this uh, estate. Yeah, yeah. So it allowed me to sort of go back, start visiting friends, start dealing with this, and then two months later, I found out on Facebook he's released. Two months. So two months. He got a year, um, and he he like because he was on drugs when he was driving. The blood test come back. He was on drugs. He came mental health. It was his first conviction. So he got a year. I was a little bit disappointed with that, and then I found out on Facebook two months later, and my panic was what if I saw him? Not one of the witnesses. It was one of the witnesses that told me on Facebook, what if I saw him when I was visiting my mum? How mm. would I have reacted? And at this point, I was like, okay, something, you know, I'm, I'm not, this isn't right. How I'm feeling isn't right. And this is when my family and everyone started to notice that it was, there was something wrong with me, basically. So my family arranged to surprise me. They, um, flew my dad in from France and my dad didn't come back through all of this because to put it bluntly he would have murdered the guy and it's mm. that wouldn't have got us nowhere so my dad had to stay away from the situation because he was so angry that a man his age could do this to his daughter my dad almost had to ignore it but for me being a daddy's girl I took that as rejection. I took no one wants to know my story. No one's bothered about me. So I'm going to hide away and I'm going to deal with my emotions on my own and talk to no one. I was losing friends because everyone was sick of hearing about how sad I was all the time. And so I, that made me be even more sad because I was so lonely. Yeah. And that, at that time, I knew nothing about mental health and nothing. I didn't know anything. So I thought I was the one in the wrong. I thought I was the one that. You know, I was doing something wrong, boring people with my drama. And when my dad come back, he come back over Christmas time. And at Christmas, just love, you know. Obviously, Jack had had a horrible, horrible year, mm. um, because he was going into school saying someone wants to murder my mum, and you know, all of this was happening. And I was like, Christmas sort of blocked it all out. And we had a lovely Christmas, but then January hit, my dad flew back to France, Jack went back to school, I was back getting drunk, going to sleep in the week, and I was like, this isn't right. So I went to the doctors, and um, I told them, and they put me on um, antidepressant sertraline, is it?
0: Yeah, sertraline, yeah, yeah.
1: Um I, I couldn't stop throwing up on them. I didn't get on with it. And I just oh, really? and he was like, you've just got to get through the first two weeks, like your body's adjusting. But I kept forgetting, and I was taking one, then I would take one for four days, and then I was just, I was like, this maybe isn't for me. So I took the really difficult decision considering I was in a lot of debt from leaving my house, not working. Um, Having no furniture, obviously, I had to restart, get a new house. Everything was put on credit cards. And I took the tough decision. Instead of taking money in compensation, I took counselling. So I had... what I'm I'm lucky that a lot of people would have got the counselling that I got because it was thousands and thousands of pounds Mm. worth of counselling. And I... At that point, I was like, I feel like a failure in life. Like, I've got to go and see someone who's got to tell me how to run my life. Like, what a failure, what a joke I am. So that made me even more depressed, thinking I've got to go to counselling. And I was just constantly, I was just sad, so sad all the time. So anyway, when I went to counselling, it was only for CBT, CB...
0: Oh, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was to deal with... Um, you know, sort of the depression and the anxiety that I was feeling. And uh, it really did help it come up with a lot of techniques and and it helped me deal with, you know, things like letters building up, my debts were building up, I I just shut the world away. And I've never been like that. I've always been the organiser in my friends. I've always been the person that's that's done everything. Christmas presents were bought in June, do you know what I mean? So to, all of a sudden... In my head, I couldn't get around this new Hannah that I was, that I wasn't even opening my letters that come through the door, let alone organising birthdays and things like that. So um, I had the CBT training. Now, what she did say is that she noticed that the trauma had caused me and I'd been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, okay. Um, so there was, there was a lot of triggers that would happen that would send me into a panic attack that weren't necessarily about what had happened. So it was, you know, little things could happen, like people having a go at me. I would relate that to him having a go at me. This is why I'm glad that there's people like you because I don't really know where where this is going to go with with mental health because if I wouldn't have had the counselling that I had... I would probably still, I probably would have had to go on medication and still be on it now.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and, the thing...
1: and that's what with other people. Like, you know, I get what well, I'm scared for them because it's such a scary thing, this feeling.
0: And the, th- the thing is, well, like you said, each, each thing is different. Each, each type of mental health problem is different for, for different people. So going on medication isn't, it wouldn't have worked for you and it didn't work for you, but it will do for some people. Yeah. Whereas it's, yeah, it's, it's just people find different ways of coping with, with their mental health than, than others.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what it is for everyone. They have to find what works for you. Like, yeah. if this counselling worked for me in this in, in issue, I would have gone through, you know, through the charities, done the, you know, I've I, some of my friends I, I've got directed to counselling and they're like, well, I'm not getting what you got. And I'm like, but you're talking to someone on the phone. You're doing, like, stop stop looking at what happened to me and look at what's happening with your mental health. And that's why I'm trying to tell, you know, friends and things like that. Our circumstances are different. So you've got to deal with it in this way. Don't just think, right, I want counselling because it worked for Hannah. Or, you know, it might not work for you. You might not be lucky enough to, to be able to have private counselling. But there are other routes that are very similar. Even down to talking, like finding someone who is almost like your release.
0: Yeah. So
1: I very much knew at the beginning, my nan isn't because my nan is old school and she'd be like, oh, mental health. No, so she isn't someone that's very understanding with this. So rather than blame her for that, I've accepted that she's not grown up in the generation where mental health was a thing. She doesn't really get it. So she isn't somebody I should release how I feel on them days. So I have my little bubble of support that when I do feel bad, I speak to them and they bring me up. And it's being aware of how to use the people around you because what you've got to realise is some people haven't gone through mental health issues and then people are very, very lucky. But then people don't know what you're going through, and they can't help you, and you can't make them help you, and you can't make them understand. So if you don't want to lose people, if you are suffering with mental health illness, any uh, mental health illness, you are feeling down. Rather than do what I did, done and lost friends because blaming them, either try to help them understand or accept that they're not willing to understand this part of your life, mm. and you find your other support bubble.
0: You kind of understand your emotions now. So back back in the day, like four or five years ago, you wouldn't have if you were sad one day you'd be like oh why am i sad what's the reason for this like what what's going on sort of thing whereas now yeah. you can be like oh i'm sad but it ain't going to last forever i'm sad today yeah. i'm just going to let myself be sad be unhappy like maybe maybe cry whatever and but but it's it, tomorrow's going to be different next week's going to be different and i'm just going to allow this to happen and i've i've been like that where i've i've kind of been like emotive or being like, Why am I sad today? There's no reason for me to be like this. Yeah. And now I've got to that stage where I'm like, Well, it's alright to be sad sometimes. Like you don't have to be like this happy, bubbly person all no. the time because like you can't you can't, can you? You can't sort of
1: no. You definitely can't. I think for me, with regards to social media as well, is a couple of years ago, when I started to get a lot of followers very quickly, I was living a very fake life. I'm actually writing a blog about it because I'm just being completely honest. I was going on holidays. I couldn't afford to look good on social media. And I was living this very fake life where I thought everything had to be prestigious and pristine and happy and shiny and rainbows and glitter and all of this on my on my social media for people to like me. And that put so much pressure on me and it it almost brought back my mental health issues. It brought back my anxiety because I was anxious. Where am I going to get the money to go to this nice club that I've got to go to, to to promote when I'm really, it's going to cost me just as much just to get there. Yeah, I'm getting this free thing. but And it was so much pressure that that's when I started to be a little bit more honest on my social media and do you know what happens? I lost so many followers. Really? Thousands. Yeah. From from moving from this glamorous fake life to then going to being honest and raw and crying on my Instagram some days because, you know, I suffer with endometriosis as well, which is a a brand new sort of disease that's come out that that there's no cure for and no one's really spoke about it for years. And I've got this and it makes me... You know, really sad. I've been through things. I've lost so many children. Now I can't have children now. All of these things that have happened to me, because I was so happy and go lucky when these things happened to me, they didn't really affect me. But they obviously did deep down, because I cried more about those babies than I lost, than I did five years ago when I actually lost a baby, mm. and things like that. So I think it was just, I was trying to be, I've always, for my whole life, trying to be happy, not, like... Almost liked. I just wanted, I've just always wanted to be one of them people that everyone likes. No one's got anything bad to say, um, everyone wants to be your friend. And I tried too hard to be like that, and I become this fake version. Um, and then it's even more off-putting that when you start being yourself, I'm actually losing followers and not gaining as many quickly. Because, And then I thought, you know what? People come on social media to get away from their lives, their real lives. So at that point, I thought, I can understand it, and I accepted it, because I thought people don't... They, they're signing on to Instagram to escape their reality. They don't want to be brought back into other people's reality. But luckily since then, I feel like the last year in this pandemic has made a massive movement for mental health because so many people are talking about it now because so many people have experienced it. I think this pandemic is a blessing in disguise for the world. I really do. It's made us appreciate things more. It's made us aware. It's like, honestly, I, I, I really do think this has been such a positive if you look at it you can turn it around this pandemic could be the most positive thing that's happened this
0: year oh, yeah, I, which is mental I, I think it's it's gonna it's it's the, the silver lining. I think is that it's it's helped people one understand themselves a little bit more because they kind of have have spent a lot of time alone and they've sort of seen their weaknesses yeah. seen 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 themselves for what they are kind of thing but then they've also had those emotions of missing family, missing friends, not being able to see people, and it's it's been yeah. it's, it's it's been bloody hard. And I, I think that this year it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult for a lot of people. I think there's going to be uh, out out the other side of this pandemic. There's going to be a lot of people with mental health issues that haven't got them at the moment. That because the world's changed. They're not aware. Yeah, yeah. It's.
1: It, They're just not aware and i think that's why and it's almost as well i do feel people like they don't want a lot of a lot of people don't want to admit it because it can come across quite weak, oh, you've got mental health issues, you're weak, you can't handle it, and I, that's what I thought, like even going to counseling, I was like, I am embarrassed mm. that I mean if anyone ever wants to read the blog like Luke, I'll give you the my link to read this blog, and I wrote it like it, it's some it's one of my first ever blogs, and I use my blog, I'm no writer i I use my blog as a diary. So it is literally like my diary version. I, I am a speaker. I'm not a writer. Um, but I, I talk in my blogs as if I'm talking to you now like I am. And I do my journey through therapy in a blo- in this blog way. And I take people through the journey. And I feel like, for me, I go back and read that blog to say, when we did it happen? 2016. You know, five years on this is coming up to the fifth year because it happened on february the 28th Mm. so february 2021 will be five years and i look back at it now and i think how far have i come in five years yeah it's amazing Like, like what 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 have i done and then i think do you know what i actually think my mental health issues is such a positive thing that because I don't think I would have done any of that I would have thought I was untouchable no I don't I can't start I can't be skimmed for six months to start a business no I need to be up high I need to be good I need to be working for someone I need to be a manager of something I always had to be on top that almost it weren't until I was at the bottom that I realized Sometimes it's good to hit the bottom because you climb back up to a top you where you want to be, rather than the top that you think you want to be. And I think having mental health issues, it can be. Precip- Sorry, my dog, come here, Tommy. <laughs> it, it, it can it can come across like it's such a bad thing when if you look at it and you 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 use that you turn it into a positive thing. That do you know what you've got mental health issues you're 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 the ones that have got you're the ones that have got good stuff going on because your brain's overworking you want good you know you you're aware of it i just feel like there's people that how i used to be i feel like hindered me being so oblivious to life and thinking that everything was perfect through these rose colored sunglasses how they say it i
0: i completely relate to that because i i'd i'd a traumatic experience at the end of last year and I'm not going to go into any detail because I haven't spoken to anybody about it but that that kind of spurred me on to do do this whole podcast and start the stress sessions and start speaking about my mental yeah. health because I was like what have I got to lose like literally what have I got to lose I'm going to just start doing it
1: yeah.
0: and I do think that it's, it sounds horrible but I do think traumatic experiences do Make you if if you overcome them and and you kind of find a way out of them and speak to people and get the help that you need once you come out the other side, I do think that it's you do become a better person and you do become a yeah. I think it, it,
1: it, it, it. You become the best version of yourself because you're a version of yourself that's stripped back, raw to the, your real feelings. And I don't think a lot. I think depression, anxiety leaves you to feel so vulnerable that you are stripped back to to just you. And I think that that's a brilliant thing, though, because when are you ever going to be just you, especially with the world we live in? So, if anything, you know, don't look at these men, people that have got mental health issues. You can have them for the rest of your life. Like don't look at it as a bad thing look at it as a positive thing that you are this strong to have these feelings and be brought back to that. But now what you need to do is bring yourself out of the bad and make yourself good.
0: The thing is as well is that I, when, when I first acknowledged that I had mental health problems, so like when I first started having anxiety and then realised later on that I had depression, I was a bit like, when's, when's this going to stop? When am I going to be cured? And there isn't a cure there isn't a way out. No. You just have to deal with it in the best way that you can. And I think that yeah. the sooner that you kind of realise that when you've been diagnosed, the better, because you can kind of start yeah. building yourself back up. And like, like you said, becoming a better person and just accepting your feelings as your feelings and, and not kind of reasoning with yourself for feeling the way that you do.
1: Yeah, don't 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 feel like a failure. Do you know what? Feel like feel like the opposite. Because if you have got your, you, you know, you have been diagnosed, and you know that that that's a massive step. That's something that should be celebrated, not 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 made to feel bad. Of oh my god, I'm I'm de- a depressor and it could, and I know that it can feel quite sad. Like I felt deflated that I was letting my mind take over. Like, I was letting myself have these feelings. But as soon as I accepted that I was having these feelings, it, it allowed me to semi-control them. You can't control everything. Like, I, I feel days where I'm so, so depressed, and I'm just like... But then I use the techniques and the counselling that... That's, it, it's not. I'm not depressed. I'm thinking that I'm depressed because it's easy to blame that bad day on depression because I've been depressed. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's as well what I, I need to recognise is not blame it. I don't. I, I used to when I come out of it. I used to blame my mental health a lot. Um, I'm having a bad day. Yeah, because oh, you know, I'm, I'm depressed today. I, I know this, and then it it's literally took five years to get to the point now. And I would only say it's probably right this moment in time that I'm at the best because, like I said, I've only moved two months ago and that was something that I realised. My surroundings, I'd done everything to make myself happy in them surroundings and I realised that it it was just the the place. I needed to be aware, move away. And now I'm out of that house that's still associated with that attack. I've come you know, leaps and bounds with regards to my career, because I've always been a very career-motivated person. So leaving a job that, you, you know, i built my career up for years to leave because I felt too depressed to work, that's quite traumatic for someone that's a very career-motivated person. Um, and I'd worked so hard to get to where I'd got to in that job to just leave it blows my mind that I could just leave. And I did. I didn't even think twice back then. I just left.
0: Thing I wanted to touch on was what so I I have kind of like coping mechanisms that I that I have so like reading a book or like watching a certain TV program. So, like what what coping mechanisms do you have to sort of de stress and get into a happy place?
1: So, a lot of my time is self um, self care, like pampering. So, even if it's little things like a bath bomb and being in my bath and being alone and like relaxing to music um self care because i'm so rushed a lot of the time and i love or or it's for a reason you know you get dressed up i don't just ever look after myself just cuz i've got an hour it's always a reason i've got to have a shower because it's the morning and i'm going to smell if i don't i've got <laughs> to wash my hair because it's greasy i've got to do my makeup because i'm going out so for me self care for no reason at all is it's it's almost like a treat, and it brings me back down to earth. But another reason for mine is work. So even if it's not like like you're, you know, you've got this podcast. I, my distraction is work. When I'm doing good in work, um, I'm happy. And when I've got nothing going on in work, I, I'm quite a driven person. So for me, that is like my work takes a massive effect when I'm having a bad like so during lockdown when I in my last house when I started to get a little bit depressed again yeah, yeah. I wasn't earning anything. My work was affected by it. Um and I realized that, that that's what was one of my things that I realized I'm I'm lucky enough to own my own businesses and love my work so much that I know that I need to keep doing that when I feel like that and not slip into going back to sleep all the time. Like, keep working because your your work is your good distraction. It's just easy to stop doing that naturally when you, you, you feel in a bad place. But mine is literally self-care. Um, it's stupid things as well, like getting dressed up for myself, like, you know, putting my makeup on and feeling, like, really nice and just putting a new outfit on or something like that. Like, even if I'm not going out anywhere it just makes me feel good and doing stupid things like tiktok anything that takes my mind off of the rat race that we're in at the moment yeah um is sort of my is is my downtime and i i i also like i said i do let myself sometimes i feel like i have to let myself be sad i have to let myself you know, go to sleep. So my nan will go, oh, you're in bed. You, that's why you're depressed. And I'm like, no, I know where I'm at. Let me sleep it off. <laughs> I need to sleep because I'm probably actually really tired because the sleep that I have been having so broken where I felt so rubbish. Let me just you know almost rejuvenate get back to normal and 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 restart re-energize um so yeah that my main things is is exercise it was a thing for me but show you know what I'm not gonna lie to you it's not I ate it I do it because I have to mm-hmm. um it's not something that I'm like oh god I feel so relaxed and I feel great after that I do feel good like natural endorphins but I wouldn't say it helps with anything Related to my anxiety, it just makes me feel like I've had an, you know, good for you, Annie. You've worked out. It just, (laughs) it doesn't help anything in my mind. With my mind, I do feel like it's stupid things as well, like my house being tidy. When things
0: like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I can relate. When I start
1: things piling up, I get anxious, and then I feel like I'm making more of a mess, and then I just have this blitz tidy up, and I'm. I can't stop looking at things like I'm like oh look how shiny my glass table is like (laughs) it's little things like that it's it's all awareness so I don't necessarily have a coping mechanism I'm aware of what the situation like I'm aware of how I feel at that time and what can help me make me feel better so whether it's working throwing myself into work bit of self-care just because I I want self-care like because I because I need it not because I have to do it um I suppose, like you said, you know, the housework, spending time with your friends. It's very easy for me to, like, lock myself away when I feel like that. So when that, when I spend time with friends, it's, that's what's been really hard about this year is not seeing very many people.
0: Yeah, Um.
1: Yeah. So, because that was one of my coping mechanisms was was the friends that I'm around, if you know what I mean. My biggest tip would say try everything until you know what works for you. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I'm so on the go... To me, just a simple sitting down and watching a little bit of rubbish reality TV is like, that's like, you know, a lot of people do watch TV every night. That's their thing. I I don't. I work every night. So that's like a privilege for me. That's like a relaxation for me. And I do that. But loving people, I've got my dogs as well. So I know my dogs are like, I know it sounds stupid, but I can't wait to get home and see them because they lift me up so much. I like... Their little faces. I could be in the worst mood, and I see my dogs, and I'm in a better mood. And you know, <laughs> yeah. that could help other people, especially when you live on your own. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I do have a, a son, but he's a teenager. He don't want to hang around with his mum. <laughs> so you know, it is quite a lonely place to be when you live on your own. But it is, it's, it's worth it. It's when you realise what you want, and you're doing things for you. And that's why, probably, why I won't be in a relationship for a very long time because I'm not ready. To not, to I, I'm too selfish at the moment because I'm I'm all about making myself happy, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so I, for
1: me, being in a relationship and having to compromise, oh God, no.
0: I think it's, it's, like you said though, it's important to look after yourself and put yourself first. And I think that if you need to do that, then that's fair play. Because if, if you do decide to go into a relationship, then you need to, that's your choice and you need to be in, in the happiest not place that like you can be in. Place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. For me, it is about... Um, I am happy in myself, so I could be in a relationship, but it's about... I Because I, I'm so happy in myself and I've done so much work on myself, the next person that's come along has got to be pretty bloody special because... I've worked on myself so much that i'm at a point where i am not going to settle now like i want my life to be i'm very one of these people you envision it you write it down you do your affirmations i am great yes i am i am bloody great and you've got to be great to be with me like affirmations that is another big point is i never used to believe in them but i really do it's simple things as just repeating things in my head this is going to work this is going to work this is going to work and getting, when you're getting knocked down using them knockdowns as a lesson like I used to get knocked down it, ever since all of this happened any knockbacks or knockdowns I used to be really sad going on myself whereas now I'm like right what can I do to come back bigger and better then that's how I look at them now and that almost gives me a little bit of drive and it stops me from falling into a state of depression where I feel useless that I've lost something
0: yeah, I I totally get that as well because I've with, with this podcast I've had knockbacks and it's been a bit like I've had this person said they're going to come on oh and then they haven't and then yeah but the, but at the end of the day everything happens for a reason and you just got to pull yourself back up again 100%. and and become, be, be be a better person I think it, it they, they help you now
1: everything happens for a reason it does everything in our life I truly believe is meant to happen the good the bad the ugly. And it's how you deal with it that, that's what's to come after that. Um, you know, everything's due to happen, but you can deal with situations in different ways, and that is how the outcome. And at the end of the day, I look at life as I don't want stress. Like You know, I've got even as simple things. Like I've got a lot of friends that they love drama or they'll make drama out of something. Or they'll, and I used to be one of these people, so I can completely relate to it. Whereas now, because I know drama for me is not something that I can deal with anymore... I go above and beyond to create less drama, or create a situation if something happens to, to not to not not react. Do you know what I mean? Not react yeah. in certain yeah. ways because I'm so self aware of my triggers. I'm so self aware of how I will react moving forward, and I think that's a big thing: is using all of your downtime, your downs when you feel anxious, to to become more self aware of what you are. Like even if it's as simple as like sitting there and thinking about. What you want out of life, what you're not, what you're not happy with in the last few years. You're not happy with that. Why are you still doing that? Well, then that's why you're not happy. If you're still doing a certain thing, you have to change things to make yourself happy. And you, you really do have to concentrate on yourself. Whether you are, if even if you're married, if you have got some mental health issues, you have got to to almost be a little bit selfish. To, not, to then not be selfish and fritz, fritz, to come out of it the other side and just look at yourself and say, this is what I need, this is what I want. Do you know what I mean? And, and always put yourself first because no matter who you are, no matter whether you're a mother, whether you're a father, a husband, a best friend, a roommate, no matter what you are, at the end of the day, you're none of them things if you're not you and yeah. you're not here yeah. being you. And if you're not looking after yourself and, and you get to a point where you don't want to be here because your mental health took over, you are none of these things to any of these people. So you need to look after yourself to be these things. And at the end of the day, don't feel bad for it. Like, don't feel bad for putting yourself first. Don't feel bad for being selfish. If you lose people, then people were never meant to be in your life anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think that's a really good place to end it because that was a good little, I like that. <laughs> that's a good, yeah. that's a good little, yeah, it's a good little um, good answer. But I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'll let you go because I, I know you need to get get in contact with your mum. Yeah, I've found out
1: what's happening with my mental family
0: now. <laughs> but, like. but thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate it because I mean we've been chatting for quite a while now. And I, do you know what? When I when I messaged you about coming on, I was a little bit nervous because I was like, we're two completely different people. You're probably going to be like. Nah, can't be asked. But it it, it turns out that you're not. (laughs) Do do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah.
1: Exactly. And that's why I do things like this, because I have got like my alter ego, you know, almost. But I am just this real person that has just like, deep down, I just want to, I just want the world to be a happy place, as cheesy as that sounds. I just want the world to be a happy place, so I'm just doing me. So I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Don't get me wrong. You're not everyone's cup of tea. No one's everyone. I don't even like tea. I'm a coffee girl. So I, <laughs> I get that same more than anything. But you're still you. And love yourself. Love yourself always because someone's got to, and not they? So exactly. So I yeah. love myself. I think I'm great. And even when I'm sad, do you know what? I'm bloody great because I get myself out of that sadness. And when I make people laugh, because I realise that so much, when I help other people, that gives me that self-satisfaction a hell of a lot more than, than it would normally because I'm so aware of, you know, what I am good at. What I am, that, 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 that's what it is. Say to yourself how good you are. Say to yourself how amazing you are. Say to yourself how proud you are of yourself for getting through these things. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for no, thanks
0: for coming enjoyed. on, Hannah. I'll, um, yeah, I'll speak to you, yeah, soon.
1: Okay, honey, no worries. I'll speak to you on uh, Insta.
0: Yeah, will do. Speak to you later. uh
1: uh-huh.
0: Cheers, bye. Thanks to Hannah for coming on the Stress Sessions and telling her story. And thanks to you guys for listening. I say this every week, but I'm not a mental health professional. So if you are struggling with mental ill health and you're not sure where to turn, please talk to a friend, family member, a work colleague, or even seek professional help. It's always best to talk. There's so many great charities and organisations who specialise in helping those with a mental illness, and I've saved them in this episode's podcast notes in case you ever need them. Thanks again for listening and look out for next week's episode when I'll be speaking to another fantastic guest with a mental health story to tell. Finally, if you're listening but you haven't yet subscribed to the Stress Sessions through your podcast provider, please hit the subscribe or follow button so we'll be
1: notified of future episodes. Thank you and have a great week!